and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is 1984, directed by Michael Radford, starring John Hurt and Susanna Hamilton. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Cameron. It feels full circle. We've talked about uh, the 1984 book a long time ago on our old podcast. So yeah, we it's did. interesting to be watching uh, the movie for our movie-centered show. Yeah, I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good. You know, busy as as all can be, but um, you know, it's 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 going all right. I think um, I'm excited to hang out with you. You know, we actually spent time together, non podcast yes. related time. Yes. Um, on Saturday, and that was awesome. It was really great. That was so we much haven't fun. we haven't done that in like forever. So it it was it was nice to just chill and hang. Yeah, this episode's late on Monday night because. I mean, we've been late. We've been slacking on the show a little bit um, for a lot of different reasons. But I on Saturday, we were supposed to record in person and it was at my new place and Cameron came over and I just told him, I was like, dude, like who I I don't want to do a podcast. I'd rather just hang out with you, you know? And so we had a great time. We went out to dinner. We just hung out. It was it was well needed, Cameron. I think I think we deserved it. Right. A little bit. I agree. Yeah. Anything? I mean, so you're just swamped. Anything else going on besides being busy watching anything or? Um, yeah. Well, since the last time we recorded, I, I, I watched Jackass, um, the new one. So, uh, highly recommend it to anybody who liked the original three or the TV show. Um, can't say enough good things about it. It's, it's really spectacular. There, there really is nothing else like the Jackass movies and, I don't know, like, it takes a certain type of of humor or t- type of person to enjoy it. I really don't think they're for everybody. Um, but if it's, if you know, you know, you know, it's like, yeah. if, if it's, if you're in it, uh, you, you're going to enjoy this one. It's, it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah, I, uh, I've actually been busy as well, Cameron, um, but I've had some time to watch some things because, we haven't recorded in a little while, so yeah. um, I don't remember if the last episode I talked about finishing the Kanye documentary, but I finally got around to that. Um, it was a pretty unique conclusion, um, very open-ended about Kanye West as an artist and his journey. I think it's successful in the sense that it made me want to listen to his music a lot more. Hmm. Um, he is sort of like, I, I think... I don't know what the uh, what the right word is, but you kind of compare compare him to someone like Hideo Kojima, where they're on their own little like planet. I don't. I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but they're they're very they're there are creative people in life that are just like so disconnected, but almost like genius when it comes to the level of what they make. And it's very absurd. It's pretty offensive. Um, but him as an artist, like I think listening to I, I Cameron I know you've you've preached about life of Pablo a lot yeah I have never like sat and like tried to chew on that record okay what a just the first four or five tracks just like what the heck dude like it is actually unbelievable um yeah. if you love music <laughs> if you can break that stuff down and listen to the use of samples it's there's not there's honestly nothing like it from from the all the music that i've heard and i've listened to a lot of music and i'm not going to say i'm an expert on any of it but the recording techniques it's just i don't know it's there's a lot to love there so i mean the content of course is very questionable it's kanye you know 
one moment he's singing about Jesus, the next he's talking about, well, who knows what, you know, <laughs> he's, he's completely off, off the rails. Um, but he sure does make an interesting subject to ponder, I, I'd say. So the documentary, um, just want to give like a shout out to Netflix. Like their documentaries just don't disappoint, man. Yeah. Like I remember I was, um, really floored by the fire festival documentary back in like what 2016 or something like that um that was crazy and there's a couple other ones that i've seen on there um i know that taylor swift had a documentary with netflix which is sort of unique too if you think about some of the beef that those two artists have they're on the same platform so i feel like netflix is they've got it dialed for uh documentaries it's been um really interesting to watch some of those things and i also watched the lego movie um, which it had been a while. Absolutely love this film. Uh, it has a very strange, comical, dystopian feel at the beginning of the movie. Um, and I was thinking about that a lot uh, with reference to the movie we watched um, today. Obviously, it's aimed towards kids, but I really think a lot of the jokes are... I don't know. They w- I feel like most of the jokes go over people's heads because that movie's first 20 minutes is like like balls to the wall fast. Like like it does not slow down for you at all. And I think people might watch the beginning of the film and think this is kind of obnoxious, so I'm just going to tune out. But like there is so much clever writing in, in the beginning of this movie. I think the beginning is super strong all the way up till, I don't know, they go to like cloud cuckoo land, I would say. And that's like 40 minutes of the movie. So that's like, it's an amazing first moment. For a long time, I thought that that film was the most gorgeous animated movie I'd ever seen. Um, I still think it is excellent, but Into the Spider-Verse is just stylistically, I don't know, it it beats everything in my mind. So um, yeah, no, I just, if you haven't watched the Lego movie in a while, I I started the Lego Batman movie too, already like, just I've only watched the first 15 minutes and then I had to go do something. But I was just like, dang, dude, that movie, too, is also like such a love letter to to Batman. It's amazing. Yeah, um, I remember but, really enjoying both of those movies. But um, yeah, Lego Batman movie is is a lot of fun and and a, actually a good Batman movie, too. Um, yes. On top yeah. Of things. So, yeah, uh, no, I had completely forgot. I mean, not to spoil the movie, but like the main plot point of the Lego Batman movie is that Batman is just like a bad, lonely person, you know, like that. That's like, (laughs) they set him up in like, he's mean to the Joker from the beginning. Right. Like it's, it's so good. Like the opening line is like the Joker's like, I'm your greatest villain. And Batman's like, I don't care. Like I, you're nobody to me. Like I don't need anything. (laughs) I have everything I ever wanted alone, you know? And it's like, dude, that's like such a fun way to write Batman in a kid's movie. You know, there's actually, some meaning to it, you know, not going to say, not going to say other Batman movies don't do that. Maybe ones that were released this year, but you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, anyways, yeah. if you want to hear our hot take, I choose and I did an episode on, uh, the Batman. Maybe we're just dumb, but no, it's been, it's been good. Cameron. I know. I just, I want to address something right off the bat before we get into the show completely. I know we've been a little bit behind on content. We've been very busy. I've had an exciting last few weeks. I'm engaged, which is very exciting. Cameron, it was a big part of that. So uh, we've been definitely busy. And I know a lot of uh, you Patreons were notified that that's why we were behind on an episode. So i um, really excited uh, about this season of life, but it's a busy season. 
And Cameron and I are both very deep into trying to build our careers. So um, we wanted to announce something uh, with the Patreon that we usually have offered. We have been doing monthly content. And in 2022, we've fallen behind uh, two months in a row just because we've been very busy. Um, so we just we wanted to reel back the first tier on Patreon. At the dollar level, we were offering a monthly show. But at this point, we can't commit to doing that cons- consistently. Um, and so if you support us at the dollar level and you want to talk to us about that or anything like that, just know we're completely open to talking to you. We apologize for the delay in content. Um, and we still want to do something special for you guys, content related. It's just this season, I don't know if it's going to be a few more months or it's going to be nine more months. We thought it would be wrong to promise or guarantee monthly content when we were falling behind with it. So Cameron, did you have any thoughts on that or? Uh, no, just that I think we're kind of looking at, um, at our options on our end. So, you know, we, we, the goal is still to, to do and, you know, and either an extra episode a month or, or content or maybe something else entirely, something more, um, scripted or something more creatively based. Uh, I think I would, I would still love to do that. Um, yeah, but just like you said, it's, it's been, it's definitely been tough for us. And I think, I think we were we were both in like the the crunchiest crunch period and then yeah. we're kind of we're kind of coming out of it a little bit I think at least on my end I I'm getting into a reasonable rhythm and flow um also like we we both were gone for like different periods of time uh, like a couple weeks in a row so it was just like it was a hectic uh few last few months um also like yeah. with the holidays and everything involved with that i you know i know it's been a couple months since then but um it's hard to catch up it's hard to catch up so um yeah i think i think we are we're definitely still trying to get there we're trying to to uh have that as a goal but yeah it's it's more we don't want to promise it uh if we can't actually hit it so yeah. Yeah. And remember, if you do support us on Patreon, we want you to be more integrated in the creative process. Uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions, throw a couple dollars our way, get access to writing questions in on the show. Uh, I'm I got the DM box open, Cameron. There, There's no questions, guys. So uh, I, I, I'm really not sure what to say. If you support us on Patreon, maybe it's just for the content and you're going to pull your subscription, which uh I don't know. I don't. I. I. I think we could. We could make some good stuff just with questions, you know. Um, but I don't blame you too. So <laughs> it's all good. Um, if you want to support us, you know where to look. If you want to give us a rating or tell friends and family, all that stuff helps the show grow. Um, yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this movie. But just sort of last things on the content side. I'm kind of excited to see what bonus stuff we will make. For you patrons, because Cameron and I, with a little bit of space, usually get very bored and creative. Um, so freeing up some bandwidth, I think, will give us a good opportunity to make make something cool for you guys, um, hopefully, as a bonus. So don't rule it out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, too, if you have feedback or anything like that as well. So Cameron, it's time to talk about 1984. Is it a book? Is it a movie? Is it a sad dystopian movie? Wait a second. I forgot your hot take. We're going to talk about dystopian. Sometimes on this show, I ask Cameron for a hot take. Cameron, here's your hot take for this episode before we get into this movie. Would you rather design, as a creator, a sad dystopia or a happy dystopia? I think you know what I mean by that. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, it's like 
1984 versus Brave New World. Um, mm. Both have different challenging uh, problems that they're trying to tackle. Um, in my mind, I, I kind of like just aesthetically <laughs> the the bad dystopia. I, oh, I, really? I love the bad dystopia in looks, in feel. I think it's it's um, it's awesomely terrible, you know, just in movies and and whatever else. I'm sure it's not fun to live through. But but even like, well, uh, one thing also, it's very it's very easy to imagine a bad dystopia, right? It's very it's much more difficult to imagine a happy dystopia, even though and I, I would say a happy dystopia probably never even really happens. And a, a, a depressing dystopia has happened plenty of times throughout history. So, um, so I, I think I'm leaning towards bad dystopia, but I will say brave new world, I think is, is a genius concept. Uh, I don't know if you've read the, have you read the book? No, no, I don't I actually don't know anything about it. Oh, okay. So, so brave new world is, is basically about, um, it, it's about the limits of, uh, of happiness as an experience. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's about the sacrifice of if you would, uh, take a pill and be happy for the forever, um, or just blissful, blissful, not even happy. If you could just be, you know, all of the pain and everything was taken away, but all of your cognition, all of your, your mind, all of your, um, your free will basically is taken from you. Um, that's kind of the, the, uh, the plot of brave new or the, the concept of brave new world. So, um, it's a, it's a very interesting problem that it's trying to grapple with, uh, about sort of material happiness or, or base level, uh, pleasure versus, uh, something more meaningful in, in sort of the human experience, uh, mm. l like choice or like, um, uh, you know, using your, your power, your, your willpower to choose something maybe less happy in the now, but, uh, more fulfilling later. Um, so. Yeah. When I was thinking of like happy dystopias, you know, because it's on the tip, the tip of my tongue, right. We're talking about the Lego movie. It's, my thought around it is like a happy dystopia is the most entertaining kind of movie to watch. Um, and it's not to say that there aren't dark elements in creating something like that, but there's definitely more of a fun. I, I, I don't know. Cause I'm being stumped now. I'm thinking about like Mad Max is that happy or sad, right? Cause it's dark, <laughs> but it's pretty, it's pretty goofy, you know, when you really start to think about it. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm uh, my my the first the first thing that prompted this question was thinking about like how Bioshock Infinite is shiny and clean and based on a love for the founding fathers, right? And in this in a fictional floating city, right? Um, and how that's all like like there's definitely dark undertones in in that story, but um, it's like presented in this clean, glistening, floating city, or or even like I I could see some people argue that like Edward Scissorhands is a dystopia in some kind of way mm. where yeah. it's like the suburban um or the, yeah yeah that, that, that like flawless neighborhood but there's just something very off about it i don't know i i love i love the um kind of the the mask that that is like this initial entertainment 
for it to be un, un, unveiled to it, for the audience, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. So I, I, I think I agree with you, though, Cameron. Or I think um, that- actually a perfect example of this is Hot Fuzz. That's like that's like oh the, yeah oh yeah the happy dystopia. Yes, yes, yeah. I think I think it's harder to create that. Yeah. Um. I think that's really insightful. What what you're saying. Um. I don't know if that's going to factor into 1984, Cameron. But let's let's get into it. We've yeah, gone too long. It. Let's do it. Um. So. Sorry, I I had my I had my uh my summary. Um, so in a story based on George Orwell's classic novel, Winston Smith is a government employee whose job involves the rewriting of history in a manner that casts his fictional country's leaders in a charitable light. Um, and there's, there's a lot more that goes into that, but, but really, yeah, it's about sort of this, this ultra, ultra totalitarian dystopia, um, surveillance state. It's very much about, uh, free will. Um, about being, you know, what what happens if if you always have something watching you? Uh, Big Brother, it, you know, obviously comes from this. So, yeah. So it's it's obviously it's a book. We reviewed the book on our old podcast, um, and I would say it's a pretty faithful adaptation. This movie is. I had actually never seen this, so I wanted to. Uh, I guess we didn't even mention why we're why we're watching this. So. Uh, it, this was shot by Roger Deakins. He was a cinematographer and this is actually like basically his first feature film, uh, his first feature film of any note. Uh, so I wanted to go back and look at this film because one, it's, it's iconic visually. I think, I think nobody can deny that, um, there's an Apple commercial that that riffs on it very heavily, and uh, you know, just some of the dystopian the the dystopian things that you that you think of, like quintessential um, dystopian images, come from this movie. So impressively done for for you know Deacon's first movie. Um, but we are going to, to explore a couple of Deacon's movies. I think it's not going to be, you know, all in this month. We'll probably bleed over into next month, but, um, we're going to, yeah, we're going to take a little walk to show, uh, I wanted to show you Isaac, someone's, you know, some, someone's cinematography, give you a history and give you this, this sort of broad spectrum of visual style um that i think we we kind of been lacking we we focus a lot on directors on the show but i don't think we focus enough on on some of the other people involved in the filmmaking process and so i felt like deacons was a really special character um really someone who has left an obvious print on modern cinema and uh we should talk about him a little bit um in the next couple of weeks. But other than that, uh, the movie, uh, what did you, what did you think just plot wise? And then we can get into some of the visuals later. You know, what's funny about, um, 1984 is that we had all, I read it in English class and to me, plot points around Fahrenheit 451 and 1984 is sort of this like blur at this point. Um, cause I, I don't know, I guess it's scary but like, I don't know, I, it's been a little while since I've really thought about 
some of these book these these novels that we read in high school. Um, but some of the concepts had stuck with me, and I remember not enjoying the aesthetic feeling of 1984 um, when reading it. My imagination with it was the the scenes that I could remember from my own imagination. It was very interesting to see how they were adapted to film. Um, one being like him escaping from the city with the girl out in the forest. Uh, it pictured it very differently than mm. the way it was presented in the movie. Um, the idea of Big Brother, Big Brother watching like on the screen and in the home, I thought was like done pretty accurately to what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, this movie does something interesting with its set design or its look where it feels very, um, I don't know, obviously, right, some of the fear of totalitarian controlling governments was seeding from some of the, the aspects of the Cold War, right? And so a lot of this feels like section, like very concrete and like... Um, Brutalist. Yes. Uh, it, it kind of, it's sort of like the representation of what you'd imagine. Like, like I, I, what I'm trying to get to is that there's like a Russian look. There's a Russian look. To yeah, the, yeah, the, sure. the way that uh, the buildings are um, constructed and and the and the way that the movie is is shown, if you think I, I don't know this is this is me just being stupid, but when you think about like um, Call of Duty maps that are in <laughs> Russia, right? Like they have this look that this movie is 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 showing, right? And maybe that's just influenced by that or war f- or of course the wars that these Call of Duty games are based on, right? Um, but yeah, there's there's something very like calling towards that architectural style, and then it's sort of reflected in the in the gray drab feeling that this movie has, even in its conclusion. Uh, overall, this movie, um, I think, challenged me in a couple spots. I know I've talked often about being a little prude on nudity in films, and um, I am a little bit split on this movie showing nudity. Because I, I I don't know, like I didn't necessarily think it was like distracting or like very um, disgusting or mishandled. But I also was like, you could have done without it. So I'm a little confused. I know maybe some people would say like, oh, it has to be in there. But I was like, I kind of got the idea of it from the beginning. It's just kind of doing the wild 80s thing in some cases, but it's also like, I, I don't know. I, I It was weird because I didn't have any strong emotion about the nudity in the film when usually that's something I'm quite like critical of in movies. And I was surprised by that. So I was a little disjointed why I'm like, I don't really feel anything towards this movie's like use of sexuality. Usually I'm like, this is either handled well or handled poorly. And I felt myself being very gray. Maybe that's just me growing up a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll say on on that part, um, one thing that we were talking about earlier was that I think the nudity actually works really well in terms of the story. Um, partially because it 
it sort of it literally strips them down, um, you know, past the sort of facades that are are being, you know, they're being portrayed as basically walking around as lies, like literal lies of human beings um, and telling each other things that in language that is designed to um, to deceive, essentially. Um, and by, you know, having them together, you know, in this, this little hotel room or in the forest, it really made, it, it, it makes them as characters, um, feel human again, I, in my mind. Um, and I don't know, I, I think I get what you mean, but I, I would say, um, it's pretty important story-wise in the book as well. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's something to, there's something to the fact that, um, you know, one, it's a, it's a hyper, uh, prudish society that they live in. Um, and so seeing that contrast also works really well. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm totally happy with it. I think they did, they did it very well. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, and to to move on a little bit to um, what you were talking about with sort of the brutalist structures and the very Soviet era um, look to this movie, I think obviously uh, 1984, it came out in 1984, uh, kind of height of the Cold War. And so I think part of that was was obviously in response to um, to that look and sort of the propaganda of that era. Um but I, I also wonder how much of it influences our thoughts about um, that look as well. Like how, how much – you know what I mean? I, I wonder how much this movie's visual style has stayed in popular culture um, to mean basically like evil Soviet dystopian. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Because in, in my mind – I look at the classic picture of of Big Brother and you know the the two minutes hate and everybody you know and there's like the in ink sock on on the walls and all the propaganda and whatnot and I'm like that's that's quintessential dystopian propaganda um, you know like that's 1984 what what I think of mm, um, yeah and so so in my mind I don't know how much of that was was actually pioneered by this film that still has stayed around in the in popular culture or if it's been um you know or, or if it was sort of a long line of of that kind of f- fiction um well i think it's i mean i think it's hard to obviously this movie captures the feeling and the look because it's pulling from so much of what we know as reality. Right. Yes. And yes. I, I, you know, if people experienced totalitarian States in Russia and were able to record any of it or capture any of it to be able to heighten that to an artistic, cohesive experience for an audience. Like, I don't know. I, for me, this movie, yeah, it's like, Oh, this looks like 1984. That's what I'm watching. Right. That's good. That somehow I was able to like, take my present knowledge and my experience seeing like dystopians, you know, uh, Soviet totalitarian states and be like, yeah, this, this totally matches it. Maybe because this movie like invented that or so much of our history is so close to that too. So I, yeah. I think it's hard to necessarily 
give this movie all the credit when it's part of our reality, I guess. But I will say it effectively like puts it all together in a package that feels um it, feel, it feels believable. It feels real. It feels like, yeah, this is this is the extreme state, you know? I I get that, right? Yeah. Um, I want to kind of continue a little bit on my sort of like settling feelings on this movie. Um, I have a couple takeaways. I was too dumb to read this book in high school. I think that is the first takeaway. Um, I really didn't understand some of the deeper concepts, even with my teachers helping trying to guide me there. Right. There are so many moments in this movie that pull direct lines from the book. And especially in the end, it is almost preachy um, with, with the, like with some of like this depressing commentary about human society. But there, there were a few things that, that I pulled away that I thought were so profound. And it was the idea of committing immoral, uh, offensive action with, um, you know, I guess sexual, I mean, not, not that, you know, but like the, the, the idea that having sex and being unprude, right. Is like breaking you're doing you're doing something wrong by doing that and saying things you're not supposed to say or like it's basically like the offensiveness like like being offensive was like almost morally right in this movie do you know what i mean yeah doing what what that society considers wrong uh and judges with basically like execution torture and brainwashing right um doing the wrong things by society um was like the only thing keeping these people somewhat human and kind of good that that i mean i think it's a dangerous bold statement um but when it's put in such an extreme scenario it's so easy for the audience to be like yeah like they need to be doing this do you know what i mean when if you applied it to something not as extreme right not like in a a society that isn't as dystopian what what does that concept mean for humanity? I don't know. Like that's that's a that's a really deep idea. I think we could like speak this whole podcast on. You know? Yeah. Well, I I think partially, you know, one of the things that it's talking about is the idea of civil disobedience, um, and that's something that's that's sort of been um, thought about and studied for a very long time. And I think. I think it it works really well in it, like you said, in these sort of very extreme situation that um, all literally all they need to do to be tortured and brainwashed is think something against the the, the party or against the state, you know. So so and right. it, and it's very clear that throughout the movie that this is a um, this is a society that's trying to perfect man. Uh, as as not as man the um, the human, but at man as the machine, right? It's trying to perfect a um, a perfect unit of of humanity, um, one that can be be told to do what it it needs to do, one that can that that doesn't think on its own, but rather thinks you know from from the party's perspective. Um, and then on top of that, 
uh, sort of the sexual component of that is one that has no feelings, has no romance, has no love, um, only so that they can they can overcome those emotions uh, to make, like I said, the perfect the perfect man. Um, and so, it, you know, in some ways, the act of rebellion of going against that and falling in love and having sex um, in this movie is so compelling because it's a it's it's a return to humanity. Um, it's not it's they're not doing something, you know, that we would consider evil. They're doing something that we would consider to be human um, and and breaking away from the 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 massive constraints of um you know trying to be perfected by leaning on imperfections that we all have uh that make us people that make us human so i i think it i think it really works well and i think it's something that we can all perfectly identify with as you know as human beings as imperfect people we can all we can all imagine what it would be like to give give up our souls or give up our humanity to become um you know to to try to be perfected if that makes sense yeah it's i i think it's just such a deep concept yeah. it's hard for me to like feel like i'm talking about it in a way that is meaningful you know um I, I don't know. I think there's some there's another layer for me. I'll just be honest with this where I I was raised in a Christian household that was very set on rules, right? Like and, and morals and you know obviously like ideas around sex and marriage and and those things, right? But like even watching it with some of those pre-laid I guess like moral blocks in my life it was hard for me to watch these characters and not feel like, yes, like they should just be like in love and run off and, and like, and, and do everything bad, you know, who cares? Right. Like this is such an extreme situation. And that really like, for me, that really, that really moved me in reflection on this film where I was like, wow, like I was on their side when I feel like I've seen or I don't know. I feel like I have been engraved in some beliefs that are like very, um, I don't know, like like some people in religion can be too fixated on the rules. Okay. Let's just put it, 100%. let's put it that way. Right. Well, and um, I think, I think that's, again, the point of this is that being fixated on the rules, um, uh, you, you know, in some ways it's, it's the, what is it? Uh, is it first Corinthians that talks about, uh, you know, if I, if I do everything right and if I do all things, uh, you know, great and move mountains and do miracles, but I don't have love, uh, you know, then I've done nothing basically. Right, so, yeah. so, you know, this, this is kind of taking that, um, you know, very, uh, Christian thought, I think, um, and, and expanding on it in a, uh, much more dystopian way. <laughs> I just think I think what's so difficult about the material is that it requires to me like a very intentional mature dissection of what the movie's trying to say, you know? Like and sure, and yeah. even what the book is trying to say. I mean, I remember in high school thinking that I was smart enough to interpret things, you know? And I I would chew on like I loved English class. I would chew on some of these 
um, deep stories and and form opinions about them uh, and write these long papers about so like for me I was like this is something I love like analyzing narrative is something that I I find so interesting and with 1984 I just don't think I was ready for it you know mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if I've had I mean I've I've definitely gone back on my opinion but I really didn't feel anything when reading 1984. I remember thinking that was, you know, sad and very, very dark. Um, but I guess, you know, like totalitarian states, we don't like them. You know, that's kind of how my high school brain was wired. I was like, yeah, that's it's bad. That's why you don't let um, governments get out of hand or something. Or you don't, you know, yeah, yeah, they, you know, Russia, they're they're not good. Right. <laughs> um, they're the bad guys. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but but I just didn't have the the chops to really chew on what this movie was trying to say and and this one literally this is what's crazy to me about about this movie um, and of course the the source material too right is that this one point which is a very important point in the movie like this is what I was chewing on from 1984. Now there's a couple lines later towards the end of the of the film um when they're in the what is it room, room 101 room 101 and all that stuff right that whole sequence between him and the whatever the the upper class dude that's torturing him um that there's there's so many great nuggets of wisdom or perspective of two ideologies clashing right um I feel like you could just watch that forever and start and just like really keep analyzing it over and over and over again. I want to get into that a little bit. Yeah. But I was just like, dang, like I didn't pay it. I I really didn't think about his job. I didn't really think about his little diary that much. I feel like there's so much in this movie at the beginning that I didn't have time to consider because I was so set on digesting this one aspect of it. Mm. Um, Obviously, 1984 is considered like one of the the greatest literatures and it's required reading, but I feel like we are required to read it once, you know, in in high school. There's a part of me that's like, dang, like I wish they made me read it three times. Sure, yeah. I would have hated it, you know, but like there's so much here that like you just miss. And I watched a movie. Like imagine if you read the book and like <laughs> like how much you miss then, right? Sure. Um, getting because I only have like very vague memories of of 1984, like these small snippets, and I'm like, that's very interesting. And I felt the same way watching the movie, which I thought was a compliment. Where I'm like, there are these little moments that I'm chewing on for like days after watching this film. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I know I haven't really given a clear answer of if I liked it or not. <laughs> Um, I think that's pretty. I don't clear. know. Well, I mean, like, I I'm, I don't know because I don't really want to watch this movie. It's a very. I don't think it's an easy movie to get through. No, and um, that is one thing that I that I'll say is it was a uh, it was hard to get through for me personally, um, and I think partially that's that's the pacing of the movie and and sort of the script how it's how it's laid out. Um, but I think also just the su- subject matter is so dire and so yeah. um, hopeless that it's, I feel like it's hard for anybody to to get through 
something like that. Um, and when I was reading it, you know, because you're imagining things and because it's able to to pull your string, pull certain strings in a in a way um, in your mind, like. I felt like I had a much easier time getting through the book than I than getting through the movie. Um, you know, I, I couldn't put down the book. So it, for me, the the movie being kind of a slog was hard to hard to sit. It sat with me not very well at first. Um, and then reflecting on it and looking back and sort of talking with you a little bit about it, um, it really opened me up a lot more to the movie, actually. Um, we had, we had a talk, uh, like a week ago, um, about, uh, uh, just like our kind of initial thoughts about the movie. And, um, yeah, I was, I, I was a little bit down on it going into that, that talk, but, um, coming away from it, I was, I, I, I was taking it in a much better light. Um, cause I was prepared to say that this movie's boring. Um, which yeah. it kind of is in some ways, but I, I think it really does some things spectacularly. Um, especially, I mean, visually, I think, I think it's, it's, it's masterful, but I think you're right in that it, maybe it is just the source material. Um, maybe it is something to do with that, but I think, I think it does lean a little bit more on the human element um, by stripping away the characters from their humanity in every interaction, then when they when they are together, you know the the two main love interests, it feels so much more significant um, to me. I don't know. It it feels like like when they're when they're like making coffee and they're excited about like a loaf of bread. You know that's something that is really um, that comes across really well on screen, even though the rest of the movie it's kind of hard to to connect with these characters because they're so purposefully um, distanced from you. I will say, I remember the book being a lot more focused on the, the protagonist of the movie. Yeah. Um, his internal dialogue. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What, I, what I thought worked so well about this movie and how it respected the book um, is that I think like, the book, well, reading a book for me is always like this process of you're, you're intaking a lot of information, you're trying to imagine and move through the text at the same time. And my mind kind of wanders when I'm reading a book. So like in the forefront of my brain, it's like I'll be imagining and following the plot. In the back of my brain, I'll be considering like, what was that line about like four pages ago? Like I'm really starting to chew on an idea that this author is bringing forward. Right. Um, I think like when you read, I don't know, like when, when I was in my upper division classes for economics, it's interesting how the first two pages of like a great economist writing is like very simplistic. Um, some of my favorites, at least this is how they approach writing. And they'll be like, well, I had this idea when I was in, I was having, I was having coffee and you know, it was kind of interesting, you know, it was like, it was, it was profound, right? The economist would write something like that. And then as they kind of drop that bombshell on you, they're like, okay, well then now I'm just going to talk about it. Like with all the equations and all the math stuff. But the whole time when you're reading that as, as someone who's trying to understand the text, you're thinking about that really simplistic, like bombshell. 
Um, and this movie has a lot of bombshells. And for me as a viewer, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm still thinking about the bombshell, mm-hmm. even though there's nothing going on on screen and I should be bored. I'm just chewing on that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my experience with the book was the same where it was like, there's one little nugget and I'm thinking about it the whole time while I'm, you know, contextualizing myself with the world, right? I'm okay. I'm understanding where he's going, what he's doing. But the whole time I'm thinking about that little truth bomb that he dropped back there. And so my viewing of this movie was the same where, to be honest with you, I kind of, I, I feel the same way after when I read the book. It's like, could I tell you the parts of this movie, like what he does? Um, Kind of, but it's very, it feels similar. I, I imagine, like if I had to recall it, my brain, its initial summary is like, the guy's at work, he meets a girl, he runs off with her, falls in love with her, they have a little spot, they get caught, he gets tortured, a bunch of stuff is said at the end, right? Yeah. Like, that's kind of like yeah, this, the, yeah. the, the the summary in my brain, there's a lot more that's going on, but it's like, that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about civil disobedience. Sure. That's a big idea, right? Yeah. I'm thinking about the interaction he has at the end about, well, it doesn't matter if you're manufacturing men like men will eventually you know men will eventually like overthrow you like there's something and he and then he's like the party is god you know the party controls everything like you're never gonna break us i don't know i'm just thinking i'm just thinking about those moments i don't even care about what happens in this movie and i think that's why like my feelings towards the nudity and the sexual content it's like it's not i'm not even thinking about it like i'm thinking about the other ideas in this film and I don't know if I've had a lot of experiences in movies where I'm like, like usually I think li- a little linear, linearly about the plot and the journey of the characters mm-hmm. in the movie. And this movie feels much more philosophical where I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm stuck on these large thoughts and it's not consumable and it takes a lot of time to really like chew on it. And it's also material you don't want to consider too, like the worst of humanity or the or the worst of a society where humanity is stripped away, but it's still full of people that aren't human anymore. You know, like it's like, oh my goodness, like that's depressing, you know, like it's very, it's, it's hard stuff to, to dive into. And so like, I am... It, it, I know a lot of people that I respect and I respect their opinion too. And I still have a hard time recommending this movie to them Mm -hmm. because I don't know if a lot of people want to sit down and really chew on a movie like this. And I'm not even saying, I'm not even saying this movie like an art film, right? Like some, some of the art films we've watched, I feel like, they're just a little bit like provocative mm-hmm. or they're structured differently and they have a few good ideas and they're just kind of out there. And it's like, you know, we, we give like a rating that some movies are for cinephiles and it's like, okay, well, if you really want to like endure that and then, and then try to interpret it with your buddies on a Friday night, you know, go for it. But I think what's crazy about 1984 is that it's, <sighs> It's almost like it's not super provocative. It's just kind of like dealing with difficult truth. Yeah. Very difficult truth. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of 
this I feel like this movie doesn't really lo- leave a lot to um like it doesn't leave a lot open to interpretation it's very it's a very moral movie um and I think it is dark a very dark moral movie you know um yeah. maybe maybe people can disagree with that saying like well there's some there's some gray in there, but, but and I don't know. The, like, the <laughs> other thing that is kind of funny that I think it deviates from the book a little bit is it is it. There's like a little glimmer of hope at the end, just like a little bit. Not really, but but it feels like there's a little glimmer of hope. Um, and I don't know. I'm I'm a little split on it, although I kind of I kind of appreciate where it's coming from in that. Uh, you know, it's obviously taking the side of Winston as he's being tortured, um, you know, who says somehow, you know, maybe not now, maybe not today, uh, but somehow, you know, we'll win, basically. Um, and it the movie takes that side, that point of view, um, whereas I, I would say, I think in some ways Orwell um, kind of took the opposite side um in in his conclusion he took the side of human or uh, history is uh is a, is a boot stepping on a human head forever um that i think that right, i think that right. is orwell's position um and i think he is a little bit hopeless about about the the way that things move through history um i i think radford maybe rightfully so, or maybe just because it's a different medium because TV or uh, movies are, are su- such a, uh, more confined and more, um, limited medium. I, I think maybe that's why he, he felt like there needs to be just something to distinguish the ending, something hopeful uh, in the end. Um, but I, I don't know, personally, I, I'm a little split on, on that thought. Um, cause I think, I think, the hopelessness of 1984, the book, is um, kind of one of the more powerful elements of it. Um, so, well, I think the the hopeful ending. You're so hungry for something, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I think as an true. audience, you're just, and it's not even there, man. Like it's just like they're alive, and there's still that glisten of hope, or there's a glisten of like humanity somehow with with the way that they see each other at the bar or whatever at the end. I don't know I don't know what it is, but you at the ending you're like this is so depressing, but for some reason I I do agree with Winston whereas the book's ending with Winston betraying um I don't remember the girl's name, but Julia. Yeah, betraying Julia um in in that in that final torture like that is the nail in the coffin yes for hope yes, yes. in the book yeah. right um i think it it the ending of of 1984 like written out on paper it makes way more sense to be hopeless um like the 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 structure and it, it's like it's already leaning that way as a matter of fact at the end of this movie um when he betrays her and they just kind of see each other afterwards. Like I was like, are they both supposed to be like brain dead or brain wiped or something? Or like it, it, it didn't, I, I didn't know. I was like, do they not like she, she like, 
he just threw her under the bus and now they're just kind of sitting next to each other. It, it didn't feel like it was um, completing. It, it didn't feel like it was completing or like landing the plane, you know? And for me, I didn't care because I was like, I just need something right now. Yeah. I need a little, I need a little bit of something uplifting. Right. So I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, the different interpretation of the ending um, and the final scenes. Again, like I've said, this movie, I'm not thinking about the plot. I'm thinking about the ideas. Sure. And um, I know a lot of books and that have done that. Um, And so, you know, this, this movie with its source material from a book, like it, it makes sense, but it was just unique for me to be in that state of mind at the end of a film. Yeah, Um, for sure. So I still don't know how I feel about this movie because I don't really want to recommend it to anyone. Um, It is hard to get through. It's not the most entertaining movie. Um, But let's let's talk a little bit about Deacons, Cameron, because I'm confused when you're... I'm not confused, but you're talking about how this movie's stylistic and good. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with the way it looked. But again, my like concluding feelings about this movie are the thoughts not the style or the feel of the film at all like yeah. I, I really um i saw deacon's name and i was like well that's that guy that's filmed everything <laughs> you know and and i was and then i was just like blown away with these deep comms concepts um so i don't know like i think i'm not going to be able to give deacons a spotlight but And you've touched on a few things, but is there anything in particular you want to point out that he did in this movie that you're like, that's him. We got to give him some credit there because we opened this show talking about how we were going to talk about deacons and stuff a little bit and we haven't given him much light. Yeah, well, I mean, I I just want to point out a little bit that it's it's very impressive that that deacons has um, this in his repertoire along with so many other. Um, incredible movies. But one of the sort of signatures that I think of that when I saw, I was like, that's like pure classic Deacons um, is you remember there's, there's the shot of like the, the, the flowing Hills, you know, as, as at the, the edge of the forest that they overlook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm every time I, I, I saw that, I was like, man, this is like, this is like such a, such a gorgeous, deacon's landscape um you know but but i would say you know otherwise he definitely is um it feels like there's a continuity between this and some of his other movies um and you know you've have you seen blade runner um 2049 yes yeah um so so you kind of remember these like they're like big um landscapes and the the giant you know where where there's like one character who's you know walking through uh you know um you know that shot where where they're walking through and like there's all the statues on the side um you know what i'm talking about it's like orange Mm. it's bright orange anyways maybe i i I, it's been a really long time but i know what you're talking about with like the vista look looks yeah, right? yeah i mean that's very like <laughs> i said i said vista and then i thought of those green hills and windows <laughs> I was like, oh no <laughs> um no but very very like open broad framing um yeah. even in the the 
um, the hallways uh, or the cubicles, you know, that it's kind of a callback to uh, um, to like the apartment, uh, you know, with the very long um, cubicles. Right, right. Uh, yeah. And then even okay. the, you know, in the two minutes, hate there's there's this, um, you know, these giant um, spectacle shots, basically, of of, you know, the the foreground being people and the background being the the giant stage or the you know the foreground going all the way into the background of just filled with with people um you know and it's it's like very impressive the scale that he was working on even back then and i think um some of the most visually interesting parts of the movie are the things that we remember like from from you know the apple commercial um classically and and so um i just wanted to give him a little bit of credit i think i think one of the things that we'll see and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more um because what i'll i'll send you all of the movies that i think you've seen that deacons has shot um and maybe you can look at some of the some like screenshots and and sort of remember his his visual style a little bit because we will be taking a couple more deacons films um, and I think it's hard in some ways it's hard to describe sort of visual concepts in this way, but I think if we have, uh, a handful of movies that are back to back, um, we can kind of get a better picture of the Deacon's language. Um, if that mm. makes sense and we can, we can dive into it maybe, uh, at the end of, of our, of our run with his films. Um, how does that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. No, I mean, this movie I I do think it looks great. I want to I want I do want to clear that up. It does not look like a movie from the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's it looks very timeless. And I think that's the highest praise I can give it. There's nothing that made me like have that oh my goodness film <laughs> moment, right? Um I, and I'm sure I've seen other Deacon's films like uh, Blade Runner 2049 uh 2048 something is it 2049 um, I can't remember now I can't because there's cyberpunk 2077 all that whatever they are um but yeah his his uh it's 2049 yeah that that movie um so stunning when I saw it uh um, he shot, are, so he shot are, prisoners um oh yeah dude prisoners is crazy yeah uh, excellent excellent movie um, what a oh yeah what a treat prisoners is such i love that film yeah thinking about it more and more it's so good um you've seen fargo he shot fargo um big vistas i remember the vistas more in that than i do yeah 100 percent. yeah i remember the like i think it's one of the opening shots it's like the car and then um like the the big long open uh like white fields yeah so good he also shot skyfall by the way um i okay, know that's yeah, one of your yeah. faves yeah, and it's Sicario. been a while since I've seen it. Okay, yeah, I like Sicario a lot too. Um, yeah, there. I mean, he's he shot a bunch of other movies, but I think the ones that I want to try to hit, um, I definitely want. I so I've never seen Jarhead, so I want to watch it next week. Um, so that'll be on the on the list for next week. Um, I also really would love to to watch 1917 with you because I think that's his, um, along with Blade Runner, that's kind of his like visual stylistic magnum opus in, in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah. I don't know how that sounds, but uh, yeah, I think I never seen it. So 
yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a it's a fantastic movie all around, but I think visually it is it's something really special. So cool. Yeah, no, no, I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing both of those. Um, I wanted to go on a tangent for a second. And now I forgot what I was going to say. There was something about prisoners. And then we were talking about another movie. Sicario. Was it after the, no, there's one more. I, I lost it. I lost it. It's gone. Cameron. Well, we, I, I want to, before we kind of move on, I know we talked a little bit about the, the ending of the movie, um, about the visual style. I do want to touch a little bit on sort of the, the final torture sequence which is very much the the I mean it's a very long scene and takes up you know a lot of the of the end of the movie I think it's almost like 40 minutes or something it's like it's a long time um but you know what's crazy is that it doesn't feel that long yeah I was going to I was going to say that too it's yeah. it, it really doesn't and I to me it's the best part of the movie I think um I think it's it's the most crushing and inspiring part of the movie. Um, it's very much a um, a battle of ideologies, as you say. Um, it's extremely uncomfortable uncomfortable to watch. Um, you know, there's there's the sequence with the rats is is super intense. Um, and and I feel like you know, there's something to these sorts of torture um, sequences in movies that sometimes they really don't work out well. I think this one is extremely effective, partially because it's not really about the physical torture. Um, you know, they they basically have like the pain um and, right. and they keep, you know, turning up the pain. And so you get it, you understand it, but you're not like seeing the, the torture be inflicted. So it's not like, yeah, it's not so, very, it's not graphic. It's not overly yeah. intense. Um, but, but really the torture that is also being sort of inflicted on you at the same time is a demoralizing torture. Um, it's a, it's a torture of, of thoughts and ideas and of your humanity. And so I think, I think it works really effectively. I think even if you don't, you know, you, you know, like you don't see someone's fingers get, get squished in a hammer or whatever, you know, like you don't need to, it's, it's extremely effective. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that as sort of being my, my personally, my favorite part of the movie. Um, cause I think it, it recreates the, the feeling that I got in the book extremely well. And I think it adds um, to it in, in a lot of ways. I found that the ending torture sequence was in my mind. Like I remember seeing that 40 minute mark and thinking like, great, <laughs> I do not want to watch this. But again, it's just back to sort of that thought I keep bringing up where it's like the ideas brought up or something that I was just stuck on. I was just, I was really um, deep in thought as these, yeah, you're totally, you're a hundred percent right, Cameron, the battle of ideologies. Um, it feels like a dramatized and sick debate class, you know, between these two, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, these two, these two people. Yeah. And one, and one is massively um, like kind of outgunned 
in a way. Um, but there's still something where you're like rooting for the underdog because you've been rooting from it for him from the beginning. Um, and his adversary is like sharp as attack, you know, just sm- like totally destroying him in-, in the torture. So I don't know. Like, I agree. I like that it was not very graphic. Um, I like that it was more focused on ideas. I think that's where the movie shines. And um, yeah, no, I just. I don't know who this movie is for, but it is something that you should, I I was going to say like, it almost should be like required viewing, but I know it can't be because of the nudity. So yeah, um, but uh, I don't think they could show something like this in public school. Uh, yeah, I guess probably not. Um, yeah, (laughs) it's pretty intense as well on top of the, the nudity. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I would say in kind of in the same way that we rated prisoners, um, where it's very intense and very dark. I, I do think this this has a lot of value in it um, and is speaking to mm. things that are true. Um, so I would I would I would re- definitely recommend it to to people, um, you know, and don't be fooled into thinking this is going to be a super fun ride. But um, it's it's well worth it. And I, I think it. I think conceptually it takes it it keeps the heritage of the book and and really does a good job of portraying many of the thoughts um, that are that are explored throughout the book. Although I will say one thing that I think the book does infinitely better, um, and it, it, it it's again just a medium issue. Um, the book goes really deep into the idea of writing as thought language as thought if that makes sense and the movie doesn't really do a great job at explain or carrying that over um but i think again that's that's just a problem with the visual medium uh it's it's hard to do that and whereas a book right it's it's you know expressly designed to uh explore language so um there's definitely a, a heavier criticism or exploration of the press right and isn't group think all like from 1984 yeah right? yeah group think uh, and um and double speak censorship of yeah censorship of words and things like that so yeah. there's there i think the book is definitely more complex um i found that this this movie still captured a lot of the ideas um and it wasn't as broad so maybe that's why it was easier for me to to find some things to chew on with this mo- with this movie but um i guess my english teachers will forever be wiser because uh, they they've read that book so many times that they're probably like depressed at this point or something right um anyways <laughs> Cameron, uh anything else to add i think we're we're pretty much wrapping it up no so. i think i think that's done great well we try to post every monday we apologize for the delay um and yeah, we will be here next week recording an episode for Jarhead. That's right, Cameron, right? Yeah, that's right. Jarhead. I can't wait. wait I've, it's, it's, a, it's been on my list for a long time, so I can't wait to watch is, it. Is, isn't it like a bomb movie? No, that's... um, uh, uh, Oh, man. That's The Hurt Locker. But what's, what's, is Jarhead, Jarhead is about military? The, is about the Gulf War. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was military. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. But no, it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, we're kind of doing war movies uh, through. Yeah, we're we're in a wow. Well, 
I'm just gonna stop my train of thought there. <laughs> There's, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, great Cinema- cinematography. That's what we're talking about. Okay, um, we uh, we will see you guys next Monday. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.